Hello and welcome to the Leader to Leader podcast, a Chime Foundation series where we bring you the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the president and CEO of Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. We continue to live and evolve through challenging times for healthcare professionals, their industry partners, and the people we all serve. Leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know those leaders and support them here at Chime. Today, we welcome a dynamic senior executive with over 25 years of experience in healthcare strategy, operations, and technology. He has served in both CIO and COO roles in health systems, as well as leading advanced patient care solution strategies for a large healthcare IT integrator. In his current position as the Managing Director of Healthcare Consulting at Baker Tilly, he is responsible for operational excellence by creating efficiencies to reduce expense, improve outcomes, and improve clinical and patient experience through strategic utilization of IT systems. We are pleased to welcome Ed Ricks to the podcast booth today. Welcome to the program, Ed. Hey, Russ. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to the conversation. You know, I think that like in my current job, um, I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of our peers and friends out there, but I guarantee you, you talk to more of them. So I think this will be a lot of fun for both of us, hopefully. Yeah, well, I, you know, maybe between the two of us, we we, we can have a, a a majority of them, that's for sure. And <laughs> boy, I'll tell you what, I bet you you're hearing the same thing I am. Uh, the crazy times post-pandemic do not stop. And that is we went right from pandemic to economic stresses and pressures to mass uh, consolidation still occurring. Uh, now, just let's just throw a little bit of uh, the threat of world war in on, on yeah. top of that. So I, I tell you, it as great as it was to finally get to the the golden era of technology utilization, boy, there's a lot of pressures. So most important question is for you all is how is the great folks at Baker Tilly doing? How are you doing? How do you think things are going kind of for our industry at a macro level? Well, I mean, probably the word I would use for a lot of that is chaos, which is um, crazy to think about some of the things that are going on that we don't have any influence over. I would say at Baker Tilly, it's great. You know, I it's... Um, sort of a new company for me. I've actually been there a year now, which is uh, hard to believe, but much larger organization than uh, a lot of people realize. And we're about 6,300 employees in the U.S. uh, across every vertical, but we have a large healthcare vertical. And what's really fun is that we've got like the traditional healthcare finance, audit, CPA stuff going on, rev cycle improvement, things like that. And then merged with a large uh, healthcare IT company a few years ago. So part of my joining. And I love sitting like right at the intersection of those two, figuring out how can we utilize the best on both sides of what we're doing to help people. And I'll tell you, you know, we'll get into some of this discussion more, but certainly just anything to improve operations, that's what everybody's trying to do. And I I know that we all call it something different, but it is probably paramount to people being successful going forward for all of the reasons that we'll talk about, I think, in a few minutes. Yeah, even yesterday I was talking to a couple of our Chime members and just kind of talking through all of what's going on and what they're dealing with. <laughs> they all just said, I just wish I could have a long weekend where nobody bothers me, no electronics, no anything. But I think that's just kind of the pressure that that the workforce at a macro level seems to all be under right now. And it just seems like healthcare is kind of under a spotlight of this. There's so many different things that are 
occurring in our industry simultaneously all at the same time we're seeing boomers retire and all the other kind of crazy stuff you know what are you seeing at baker tilly what are you seeing in your customer environment as as really in a chance to to invest in or really deal with this workforce engagement strategy where we can hopefully not only retain but really engage them in such a way that that they want to stay in our industry for a long time yeah you know it's funny i talk about this a lot but i spent like 25 years working in healthcare it as have you or maybe more i'm not going to give away our ages but (laughs) you know everything we did always seemed like we were doing it for the right reasons i you know Maybe the meaningful use legislation that certainly did help propel a lot of things, good or bad, for whatever reasons, you know, force the hand for some things to happen. But I can promise you, and I don't think that a lot of people would would argue with me about this, that we sort of made the environment really complex for people to deliver care. Obviously, we need the data. We need the HRs. We need the automation that comes behind that. There's so many quality patient safety things that come from that. But what we lost sight of was the fact that using these systems took away from clinicians delivering care. So that one thing alone, I think, is something that we've got to help solve. And certainly there are solutions around that. Way too much complexity. You know, everyone says the same thing. And I hate some of these phrases, but they're so true. You have to say, like, how can I do more with less? It's hard to do more with less, but that's what everyone has to do. Less people, less financial support, uh, less time, as you said because it's taken away from us. And yet we've got to do more and everyone's tasked to do more. And just thinking about running data centers, that's not where healthcare IT is anymore. Healthcare IT is now the enabler to delivering better care to your communities. It's such a pivot, which is welcome and you know long overdue, I think. A lot of people have operated with that mindset for a long time, but that's really how do we help leaders deliver, help them deliver healthcare in their communities for less it just it's really difficult yeah you know what's interesting is we spend a lot of time talking to people and and actually sometimes even being there around the globe and this workforce issue is not a u.s centric issue it is truly a global issue and it doesn't matter if it's smaller countries maybe that we would consider not first world economic level but it doesn't matter it, it really is an issue everywhere where even in the u.s market we've seen you know somewhere in the neighborhood of just short of half a million clinicians, whether that's nurses, physicians, um, whatever the case may be, bailing out of the industry to go do other things or retiring. And I think this trend is only going to accelerate. If you look at the the statistics, we're probably going to lose eight to 15% of our workforce over the next three to five years with boomer retirements. And there is no human beings to replace this. Uh, This is a worldwide issue as we think through this. So what are you all seeing with the promise of things like automation now and generative AI and other things like that to, yes, in a kind of a way we re- replace humans because we're not going to have enough humans do the job, but really replace workload and replace FTE so that the people we have can can still provide the care that we need. Yeah. You know, so you're getting me into more buzzwords and I've always hated those, especially when I was a CEO. And, and- purchasing stuff it just would irritate me but for some of them there's no getting away from it i mean ai and machine learning and sort of this generative ai it is the future and it's real right now it's really progressed so far um you know i don't like to say that you're going to replace humans i think you enable humans i think that you help people 
deliver care at the highest level they should be delivering care at and take away the menial. I, I, actually, I believe I was talking with you at health conference last week that there's a vendor out there. You know, I don't know anything about their technology, so I'm not going to speak to that, but their marketing tagline was, you know, automate your boring stuff, although they use a different word for stuff. And I thought that's awesome. You know, people always talk about, you know, look at what Watson tried to do. You know, besides winning Jeopardy, they wanted to solve cancer. And that's an awesome goal. But it seems a little bit far for the first thing you try to do when you could automate RevCycle or you could automate, you know, supply chain or you could automate, you know, um, registration of patients and uh, all of the things that go along with actually running a clean environment, you know, in the background that all that does is enable your people to do more. Now you see some of those technologies that hit workforce on the clinical side. Again, a lot of risk. So I think that what we're starting to see is people realize they need governance around this and starting to figure this out for the first time so that you just don't get the Wild West out there because you don't necessarily want AI making clinical decision support um, determinations without understanding what the risk is and what the AI is built from. But I love some of the tools that are available, you know, and some of the ways that you can make such a big difference, I think, in the way people deliver care. So I'm excited about that. I think that, you know, all the automation that takes different sensor inputs and particularly like computer vision, but, you know, there's a number of ways to get data into a system. As long as what you're doing is you're driving actionable insights when it's timely for the clinician or the caregiver so that they can make decisions about things or decisions are easy, more easily made about what to do next without it getting in the way, you know, that you're reducing the complexity of the environment. Uh, that's always sort of been one of my tenants, I think, is that we've made it so complex to deliver care. Anything we can do to remove those complexities, ironically, usually takes more technology, but nobody has to know that. The patients don't have to know that. The family doesn't have to know that. The clinicians don't have to know that. I think it's coming on the IT professionals uh, to make it almost seem invisible, but to improve the way they deliver care. Uh, tackling workflows, I think, has got to be job number one for everybody. Wow. Well, we are in a much different time. It was interesting. A couple of weeks ago, in a couple of days, I flew in an old 727. I didn't even know they still flew those. <laughs> and a 777 Dreamliner. And I just happened to look in the cockpit. I wish I would have taken a picture because the old 727, it was just old manual switches and toggles. And you could just tell that the pilot there basically had to fly the plane. And you look now inside of a modern jet a 777 and all the electronics and all the computer safety equipment and all this kind of stuff but yep you still needed the pilots in there because sometimes one those don't work um occasionally and the other is it's still a human being process of getting that plane but boy is there a lot more automation in those planes I'm used to i think that's where we're going to end up we're going to end up in a world where we're still going to need doctors we're still going to need nurses we're still going to need technicians and everybody else but boy, we are going to have a massive amount of technology around them to support them, uh, hopefully in a much safer and, and better way. We'll have to see. You mentioned something, though, a few minutes ago, that was, which was it used to be a big buzzword. And we're going to play buzzword bingo here today a little bit. But it really is coming back around. I mean, yes, we're, we're working on clinical optimization and workflow and really trying to get the HR usable for our clinicians and really for everybody. But RevCycle management, RCM, seems to be reemerging again as a major issue, not issue, opportunity for improvement. Maybe it was ignored as we did so many other things since, as you mentioned, meaningful use. You know, but 
what are you seeing now with this future of, and I say future, in the coming months and couple of years with a focus on these new things of really getting refined better, both at our financials as well as our clinicals and bringing that world together? Yeah, again, I think that's really important. It's creating efficiency. So you don't have to deliver care any differently. Everybody's really doing a great job at that universally, I think, you know. But if you're going to deliver that care, you may as well get reimbursed appropriately for what you did, for one thing. There's no reason to leave money on the table. So is that capturing appropriate documentation? Is that, you know, the registration process, managing denials, all those things that have to happen, much of that can be automated now and cleaned up a little bit, which that's the exciting use of technology, right? I see a lot of people, you know, this whole shift from where the ERP lands, whether it was integrated as part of the HR, whether it's separate, whether it's, you know, to vendors and, you know, there's good and bad to everything. Um, now we're seeing a lot of folks who are spending a lot of time coming back and saying, all right, we've got this giant EHR we, that's all workflow. We got this giant ERP system that's all workflow, even on the HR side. But if you take that out and just say, you know, financials and supply chain and things like that, and yet there's probably some way to really capitalize on those two working better together. And, you know, not for lack of people trying to like integrate them well originally, but just go back, look at it, look at the workflows. Uh, some of my favorite projects that we work on is really helping people dig into that stuff. It doesn't sound super cool, but you'd be amazed at what efficiencies can be gained, you know, whether it's through, you know, the preference cards and the inventories and the OR and, you know, just making sure that you're charging appropriately or uh, all those other things. A lot of folks are coming back to that, like help us uh, optimize our ERP system, but mostly in relationship to how that interacts with EHR, you know, and uh, I think you're going to see that still for the next few years because some of those are, I'll say, maybe less mature um installations uh, or implementations and so there's a ton of opportunity the hrs are getting pretty mature at this point uh although there's always something to be gained from digging into it well i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about the uh the big cloud that hangs over everybody in this industry and that's the the word cyber well i guess it's two words technically depending on how you do it Cybersecurity, and what even just a few weeks ago, I was checking in, believe it or not, on a Sunday as the MGM hotels were being hacked and couldn't get their systems up and uh, was back there again about two weeks later I, with, at the same time you were for health. And it was interesting as I drove by the MGMs, I'm just thinking, I'm kind of glad I'm not in there, even though I'm sure their systems are up and running again. It does cast this kind of shadow of doubt when you know somebody's been hacked. What, what are you kind of hearing from your customer base and the industry just about this pervasive, I don't know what to call it, fear, um, concerns about this the, the world of cybersecurity. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, that's um, all the things I miss about being a CIO, like the mission of working for a health system and why you're there and what you're doing. That's the one thing I don't miss <laughs> at all is having to worry 724 about when, A, the next breach happens, or B, we finally realize that the next one already did happen, you know. Um, it's phenomenal to me. We literally have a really good line of ours going through an, an incident right now. It, it's scary. So the bad guys are always going to be a step ahead of the good guys. It's just what it is. Um, you know, you talk about MGM being breached. I, probably remember, I don't know what it was, 12 years ago now, 13 years ago. Like, tar I remember Target was the first, like, newsworthy event that they had a breach. And 
I remember going to our first board meeting after that, and one of our board members who had been like literally the president of American Express, you know, prior to retiring and moving to our area, said, you know, Ed, I'm so glad that something like that couldn't happen here. I said, are you kidding me? It probably already has. We just don't know about it. If you don't think that, you know, Target at that point in time or look at the resources MGM puts into information security and security in general, it, it far eclipses what most healthcare organizations are able to do. Um, it's just you're, you're crazy. So what you got to do is you got to expect it's going to happen. There's a lot of things you can do up front to be ready for that and to help stop them, help educate. Uh, you know, at one point I used to say if we could just get rid of, you know, our 4,500 users, we would have a lot less liability, but I don't think that's possible. So there are great tools. There are great policy and procedures, not cool as that sounds to have in place, but you've got to have a plan in place for when it happens because it's going to happen to everybody at some point. And if you're trying to make a decision in the heat of the moment on do I pay a ransomware? Do, what do we do next? It's too late. You know, that's that's got to be there. So preparedness. And again, many people are way ahead of that and on top of it. But it's just one of those things that like you just put in the back of your mind. Uh, I can't tell you how relieved I am that that's not my everyday worry for myself, but it is for our customers and my friends. Uh, and who knows where I'll end up some other day, you know, so I, I would love to see us get arms around this a little bit more from both the technology and just from a culture perspective. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I remember that Target hack very well. As a matter of fact, I think within a few months, Target, Home Depot, and Chase had all been hacked. And it was like, okay, if those three can get hacked within a few months, I got no chance. I mean, I really don't. But, you know, we fight the fight, and that's the good part as we move forward. Well, it's been a few years. I'm going to guess probably about half a decade for you. A lot longer for me since I was in a CIO job. But we also, I mean, really for you more than me, but we have to stay current. We have to know what all this stuff is. We don't have to necessarily know how it all works all the time, but we've got to be continuing to learn. I, I love to understand how you stay current, how you're staying in tune with so many emerging things. I mean, think about it. It wasn't even in our vocabulary a year ago, chat GPT. Now it rolls out of our mouth about 50 times a day. We're off our keyboard. We weren't even using that term a year ago. How are you staying current? How are you staying fresh? Um, especially with so much changing in our industry. Yeah, I, yeah. This this is the one thing that scares me a little bit, I think, because even though I live it every day from a different perspective, what I tell people, like you said, you're right, it's been about five and a half years since I left the health system. And at this point, like I'm worried about just becoming somebody you used to know. You know, it's like, what? you're not an expert on anything anymore. Well, I'm an expert at talking to people. I, I love that. I love learning from them. I love understanding what's going on, what their challenges are. And that works both on the provider side and on the vendor side. You know, there are some incredible vendors out there. So I'm a big fan of, I feel like I'm being set up for this, but come on, Chimefall Forum is one of the best places, both for networking with peers and for learning what's going on in the industry. So there, I'll give you that one. I can't wait to be there, to be honest with you. Um, but more importantly, things like, so is that health? Um, you know, I, I don't know that that's the perfect environment for our company to participate in, but I learned a lot. There are so many cool vendors now. Again, see which ones are there next year. You know, that's always sort of the challenge, but regardless, they're trying to solve a problem. And so if you can understand the problems they're trying to solve, I think that that's a big piece of it. You can't talk to too many people. Uh, you know, we we do, as the Chime Foundation firm, you know, and, and I, I'm not uh, pandering to you, but 
you know, it is important for us to participate in some of the events. We, we were recently in one of your innovation um, events in Charlotte, and that was great to hear what some of these people are doing. You know, there are some really accelerated teams out there uh, that do a great job. They're not going to solve everything or fix everything, but you learn a little bit from each place. So I think that's the challenge, right? Just read, talk to people. If you can attend things, that's great. That's not always possible, especially on the provider side. You understand budgetary constraints and things like that. So it's like, I think incumbent on people like us to figure out ways to deliver those messages, you know, in bite-sized chunks that make sense and can get to them and they can learn something from it. Industries, like you said, changing so much. You know, the terms we use today, I would have been embarrassed to use a year ago in front of a customer or in front of a peer. And now, it, like you just mentioned, just rolls off your tongue. It just is part of what we do. And who knows what that is going to be in another year or two years. That, you know, those electrons move really fast. That's why the world's so small between the internet, email, that kind of thing. It's a small world. You instantly know what's going on in every place. And that's good and bad, I think. Um, but regardless, it is an opportunity, I think, to communicate differently than we have in the past. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, being at Health last week and one of the few events I really have no operational responsibility. So it was kind of cool because I just got to walk around and talk to people. I was overwhelmed with what was the amount of home health consumerism plays, changes in things that are trying to be automated. And a lot of it may be a little bit of vaporware at some point, and a lot of it may be real. But what it was, was a year over year, the amount of change that you saw in the people coming to the marketplace really was um, something to behold. And as we roll into Chime, we'll be talking about a lot of that. We don't do vendor expos or anything like that there, but then we have Vive in the spring. And I mean, I'm thinking that's about six months different between health and Vive. Uh, and our partner is health in that event. I can't wait to see what's changed in six months because I think we're seeing that rapid a change in our industry and hopefully improvements. Well, let me ask you one last question as we're wrapping our time up, Ed, and, and you are a seasoned veteran. That's a really a nice way of saying you and I are getting old uh, when they call us senior vet, uh, you know, seasoned veterans, right. but, but that is what it is. But, uh, but as, as you look at the industry and, and we've done a lot in a very short period of, of human history from that perspective uh, to really improve and, and, and revolutionize the care being delivered and, and the industry, What's something you'd still like to see a significantly improve, change, kind of, if you were a ruler for a day, whether you were ONC or the president or whatever that might be, what's something you'd really like to see us do that could make a really big impact on healthcare? Wow, that's a great question. Um, trying to whittle it down. And yes, I am seasoned. I think that part of the uh, the trick, though, is to just act immature for your age and you feel a little bit younger. <laughs> fool yourself. I don't know if that works or not. Um, you know, I would say from just purely from healthcare and healthcare IT, I still think it's the connectivity. Like you talk about all the things that health about in the home and some of those things, like the business model isn't really there to support a number of those initiatives yet, even though it makes a ton of sense. We've talked for years about true value-based care, right? Driving that care out where it's the least expensive to deliver and monitoring those patients who need to be monitored and then only dealing in the health systems effectively with those who should be there. You know, and while we get better at that all the time, it's still the financial model isn't right. You know, we're still to some degree rewarded for doing stuff, fee for service, way more than we probably should be. 
um, instead of in the true value-based model. And, you know, at some point that's probably going to pivot completely over the other way. I don't know if that's better or not for healthcare, you know, just from a financial perspective. Uh, but we spend too much money in the U.S. on healthcare. I don't think anyone can um, deny that. And like on aggregate, our outcomes aren't necessarily better than some other countries who do it differently. So something we learned, our scale is incredible, you know, and we and we do some great, great things in healthcare here. So I, I think just that connection to the community somehow differently, if I could, you know, wave the magic wand, um, besides maybe changing a few of the cards I hit on in Vegas last week, I would say <laughs> that's probably part of it, you know, is just bringing people closer to the care with it from a virtual perspective, with the care actually being further away, I think it still can be less expensive if we can manage population health a little bit differently. You know, it sounds pretty altruistic, but I, I just, that's where we need to land somehow. Well, Ed, as a, uh, and I'll use the term again, seasoned veteran, thank you for everything you've done for many, many decades for not just our industry, but for the people you've served in those organizations. But now at Baker Tilly, we greatly appreciate you and all you do for healthcare and for uh, for our industry. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate it, man. Looking forward to seeing you a couple of weeks again. Absolutely. And hey, thank you all to our listeners for joining us for this episode of Chimes Leader to Leader podcast. As always, you can visit us at chimescentral.org forward slash media or Spotify to listen to this and all of our great healthcare leaders. Continue to innovate, transform, and create that positive change to advance and improve health and care throughout the community served. But for now, stay safe and God bless.